Hello, and welcome to TV Dinner, the podcast where we take three bites out of a show and tell you how it tastes. I'm your host, Kalena. I'm your other host, Sean. And this week, we're finishing up our Sci-Fi September series with Star Trek Generation, Next Generation. This is the 13th episode of TV Dinner, right? Yeah. Oh, no, it's the unlucky episode. Oh, no. Well, well... You seem to have opinions about Star Trek Generations, so how unlucky is it? It's pretty unlucky. Oh no. It's just, and, and I mean, the show is good overall, it just it doesn't start great. Uh, although I feel like that's giving so much away already about the second half of this episode. <laughs> right, right. That, I mean, that's vague enough for me to not get what you mean, but... But yeah, um... So this is Star Trek, a 60 series cult success of the original series movies. They were like four movies in or working on like the fifth. Um, Are they working on another? No, no, no. I mean, they were at the time that they decided to do Next Generation Oh. of the original trilogy movies. There was the original trilogy movie. Wait, that's Star Wars. Okay, so the original series happened, and then the original series movies are happening, and then they make The Next Generation, okay? Okay. Yeah, and then from... There will be more Star Trek movies starring The Next Generation class going from then to 2002, Um, because the original series was in the 60s, and The Next Generation goes from 87 to 94. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... So they kept having movies till 2002, and they had their, like, spinoff series, like, Enterprise and Voyager. <clears throat> I, yeah, I know nothing about these. Don't so worry you're about that. you're going to have to keep going. Um, and now Star Trek, Star Trek, it, it, it sort of went away, it, the, like, the spinoffs and stuff weren't as popular, that you haven't heard of them, a lot of people haven't heard of them, really don't know about them, but, um... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're seeing a resurgence with the 2009 movie that has led to us getting a new television series starting this week, uh, Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. Actually, I think that comes out today. Not the day that we're recording, not the day that this is coming out. Although I have not looked into actually watching it myself. (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) So, a question that I have is, uh, are the characters the same? As the original series? Mm-hmm. Nope, it's an all-new cast of all-new characters that takes place a hundred years after the original. Okay. I mean, Next Generation makes sense, but mm-hmm. I know the movies had the same characters. The new ones. Yeah, the new ones are a reboot. They're a new continuity. Yeah, so that's why I was uh, wondering, because I was like, oh, you know, well, because Star Trek, people love Captain Kirk and Spock and their ships. Yeah, I believe all of the (laughs) TV series are all in the same continuity, and I believe that the new TV series is also going to be in that continuity, although I have heard there is some fan doubt about that. Hmm. We'll have to watch and find out. Mm Hmm. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so... It's a century after the original series' five-year mission 
to go where no man has gone before and explore the deep reaches of space. Um, this new story is in a more, if, if the original series was like space is the wild west, this is a, a more peaceful, more civilized frontier, but uh, still it's a mysterious frontier with n- new rivals and such. Interesting. Yes. The next generation, unlike the original series, is a, it is an, they have new alien enemies, have become alien allies, and it is now an indefinite mission. Do they have better aliens? Better aliens? Not just like pink painted people. They do have better aliens. But not good aliens. I mean, it's the 80s, like it's better than the 60s. That's fair. So yeah, is there any particular questions and such? Um, yeah, I don't want this intro to be too short, but I really don't have many questions to ask because I expect it to be pretty similar to how Star Trek normally runs. Mm-hmm. They're on a ship and they're going to the new frontier, which is whatever part of space that they haven't been to before. That's how space and works. They're exploring it, and they are finding d- different cultures and planets. And although I bet that, you know, if we ever get far enough as a civilization to be spacefaring on a long-term basis, mm-hmm. I feel like most of the show would be, like, another uninhabited planet, another uninhabited planet, another literally toxic to us planet well that's still (laughs) and a few months stretch of just empty space and then we might get to some like cool people (laughs) (laughs) but that's not an exciting television show entertaining for all audiences speculating on the future of the human race i just like the you said the original series took place over the span of five years Again, I feel like most of that would be just waiting to happen upon some some new culture rather than, oh, we found a a new one yesterday, but, you know, we went a few more miles in space and found a new one today. Yeah, and instead we're finding Vulcans and whales and godlike entities. (laughs) The old Star Wars did have, like, a thing for finding godlike entities. The old Star Wars? Not Star Wars, Star Trek. See, This is a big problem. Yes, there's too many star, um... Stargate? Yeah, there's Stargate, there's Star Wars, there's Star Trek, there's Battlestar Galactica. Well, we like stars. Uh, (laughs) It's just, next time somebody comes up with a new sci-fi, they need to not put star in the name. Whatever they do, please name it something else. Well, I mean, you've seen that with stuff like dark matter and whatever we know to stay away from star that's i guess that's fair dark matter is kind of like the opposite of a star though okay (laughs) i don't know if that makes any sense but not to me but don't worry about it also i get dark matter and black mirror confused just because they have kind of the same cadence but anyway yeah i actually thought the exact same thing (laughs) Uh, So anyway, uh, we'll just keep this intro brief and go head on to the next portion of the episode. To the next 
generation onward, where no podcaster has gone before, except a lot of podcasters. Star Trek podcasters. And we're back. How'd you like it? Uh, it was fun. At least the episodes that we watched. Yeah. I guess we should explain that. Go for it. So we counted the premiere two-parter as two separate episodes. Although some people only counted as one. Um, I suggested that we do that so that we didn't have to watch the episode Code of Honor which is easily the second worst episode of Star Trek ever. Um, I want you to, since I won't be able to accurately grade this episode as, you know, as part of my thing, I, I will say I do personally count the first. Um, on Netflix, it's one episode, but on Wikipedia, it's two episodes. And I would count it as two because even though they aired on the same day, they were still separate episodes uh-huh um and you know any other two-parter in any other series we would count as two episodes yeah but just to you know get it well-rounded i want you to explain to me why code of honor is so bad okay um so the episode is about you know security chief tasha yar yes well, okay, so the crew of the Enterprise go to a planet, and the guy from that planet takes Tasha Yar and is like, whatever, Captain Picard, I'm going to make Tasha Yar one of my wives. Haha. And Tasha, you should, you must duel my current number one wife <laughs> fight my wife yes tlc's new reality show fight my wife uh-huh the real problem is that all of the natives of this planet were every everyone hired to play the people of this planet were african-americans okay so it doesn't sound so bad when I give you the broad strokes of it, but believe me when I say that it is very racist. Um, yeah, I assume it's along the lines of any, for example, any non-sci-fi where someone travels to the African continent and encounters a tribe or something like that. Is yeah. it kind of in those veins? Yeah, it's very like, oh, look at these people with their backward honor things and... I must play the white savior and tell everybody how they're wrong. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, let's not talk about it, but I do want the name of your least favorite slash the worst Star Trek episode ever. My least favorite slash the worst Star Trek episode ever. The name of the episode? I don't remember it off the top of my head, but it's an episode of the original series where Captain Kirk and company are charged with the duty of relocating a bunch of Native Americans from their current planet of residence. Weird. 
Yeah, it's not it's not a fun time. <laughs> anyway, um, so we're gonna go over the first two episodes, which appears a as a tube parter, um, and then the third episode. Um, again, I enjoyed these first three episodes. I thought they were fun. The first one was a little bit uh, serious and actually a little bit infuriating. I know it was kind of supposed to be. What do you mean? And we're talking about the episodes of Encounter at Farpoint. Yeah, Encounter at Farpoint. Um, so the framing narrative is that there is this other life form named Q that is testing them. Mm-hmm. And Q is... You think it was doing this to kind of have let them have a taste of their own medicine. So Q was being really, like, fickle about everything and going back on his word and never yeah. saying what he means. And it was just really annoying because he's like, I'm a better life form. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it seems to be part of his whole modus operandi in that episode that he's like, oh, I'm coming to you in a form that you'll understand the petty, ignorant, angry form that is you. Um, yeah, I I know that it, it was supposed to be like, oh, he's doing this to show them what it's like to interact with something like that. But it's also just like, I hate this. Yeah. Um, he generally acts in accordance with the, the attitudes and ideals of the World War Three post-apocalyptic wasteland guilty until proven innocent court that he brings them into. Yeah, um, and also he does a thing that I hate. Um, which is, I'm going to judge this entire species based off of, like, one person that I met. Mm-hmm. In both ways. I mean, like, in the one way, he's like, oh, humans are bad because of war and stuff. And the other way, he's like, oh, I'm going to absolve all humans because Picard is kind of smart. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, I don't know. Um, but it was uh, an interesting episode. I liked the the jellyfish. Yeah, you liked the Farpoint base plot? Yeah, it was interesting. It was definitely intriguing. Yeah. It's fascinating that there's life that can exist out in the vacuum of space. Yeah. I mean, a lot of sci-fi that goes into space will deal with life forms that can exist in other atmospheres and in vacuum and stuff. I always think that's fun. Yeah. Space whales. I find it... I enjoy it, and I'm sure all of the fanboys do too, that the opening is the same. Uh Uh-huh. It's a good tune. I mean, not even the tune, like, literally the same. (laughs) Space, the final frontier. (laughs) And and the whole thing. And then... Right. Yeah. It's very nostalgic. Yeah, very. And then they have the updated 80s 3D CG. Right, right. Enterprise. Of course, the... On Netflix... Both shows have, like, updated, revised version of the CG, not what was on TV. Yeah, I was gonna say, this CG doesn't look that bad. It doesn't look like it happened that long ago, so it definitely Netflix interfered. (laughs) No, I don't think it was Netflix, specifically. I don't remember when it was revised, though, exactly. It might have been for a DVD or something. Oh, is it like an original trilogy thing? Where they're like, oh, this would look better with more CGI. And everyone else was like, no. 
Uh, no, because they're just re—they're just remaking the like CG only shots from the show. Okay. Just like planets and spaceships and stuff. Another thing is that, um, in the first episode, the first or second, um, Picard is like, "Prepare for saucer sip," and everyone goes, <gasps> and me and you are like. Um, or at least I was like the fuck. <laughs> it's um, it's the fun new gimmick. <laughs> Everyone likes combiners, right? I I mean it's cool. <laughs> um, so, so in this series of Star Trek, saucer sep is saucer separation when they separate part of the ship the ship into two pieces basically and they put all the civilians in the saucer part yeah which i i I believe in part is to like justify their fact that they're bringing along all of the civilians and children with them yeah i was gonna say it seems like a very useful thing to do if if you ever need to bring the ship for example near a collapsing star (laughs) (laughs) yeah anyway that's true they didn't separate for that episode yeah, they were like, you know what, this is fine. Presumably so Wesley could be around? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, his mom was a doctor and presumably she would want him to be there, regardless. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder... I mean, the only reason that Wesley is on the ship at all is the that justification in the story, right? Yeah. So, um... The show wanted to have its, like, child's character, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I don't think there were any recurring children in the other Star Trek. No, but children do, kids do like to watch Star Trek. Well, Nerds. yeah. Um, we talked about that in our Transformers Prime episode, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, for the demographic you're aiming for, it's good to have that kind of character in your show. Yeah. So I think that's what Wesley's supposed to be, especially since Wesley's like a super smart boy. He is so a smart ass. I don't know, a Gary Stu. Yeah. He but I think basically he is like, "Hey, look children, we have a children who is a very smart children and better than the adults." He seems like an adult pretending to be a child. <laughs> a weird theory. No, that's not a theory. I know. Um <laughs> I mean, he is written by adults, which is, um, I have had this argument about video games before, but an adult writing a child or a teenager needs to have contact with a child or a teenager. (laughs) They at least need to interact with one regularly. Yeah, or else it's always going to sound bad, and it always does. Oh boy. You've Um, never seen any Life is Strange, have you? I know about Life is Strange. I... Uh-huh. Anyway, I'm moving on. Okay. I've never talked uh, to you about that, but let's move on. This is not what this is about. <laughs> this is about Star Trek. So me and you were talking about how um, to make up for not having a Spock, because Spock is everybody's fave, um, mm-hmm. they kind of split elements of Spock into a few different characters. I haven't seen much in Worf, so I don't know if that one's accurate or not. No, not really. They're all different. Um, 
None of them are actually Spock clones, but I feel like they all, some of them serve similar purposes. Well, but you think Worf is similar to Spock, and I have seen literally none of Worf, so I can't say yes or no to that. I only mean in that he can probably put people down the way that Spock could with the Vulcan nerve pinch, and also he is the only, he is the alien on the bridge. Yeah, well, to an extent. So in the first episode, um, one of the other aliens, the the other aliens that they meet in the first episode are literally just people. They're just humans, but they're called something else. So they're people looking aliens. Um, <laughs> Lots of people looking aliens in Star Trek. They refer. Okay, so this is another thing that the older Star Trek kind of like talked about, but they didn't have a character that was literally this concept, which is ESP. Uh huh. And how in the sci-fi future we're going to prove how ESP is like really good and helpful. Well, she has those ESP empathic abilities because she's only half human. Yeah, so he mentions she's half Betazoid, mm-hmm. which is very similar because, you know, Spock is the way he is because he's half human. Oh, true. She, yeah, she's similar to Spock in that she's only half alien. But, you know, one of her halves makes her fully emotional, which right. is actually her alien half. But with Spock, his human half made him emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's Data, who is most Spock-like because he's very, like, straightforward and intellectual and... Um, he's the one who just knows a bunch of stuff. He's this super intelligent one. Yeah, and he's very good and blunt. Yeah, he's he always finds things fascinating or intriguing. Yeah, fascinating. Mm-hmm. He's got that Spock oh, catchphrase. God. I um I have this line written down, which is probably one of my favorite data lines because it's like such a fucking burn. <laughs> Lay it on me. <laughs> um. So Data and uh, Riker are in the hollow deck, and Riker is being like kind of weird, and Data is like, "Are you uncomfortable around me?" And Riker says, "To be honest, I am." And Data says, "Well, prejudice is very human." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "You fucking get him." Tell tell that boy that he's a racist. <laughs> and Riker Riker's like he has nothing to say to that because Data's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what what choice do you have but to accept it at that point? <laughs> I I just found it funny because he he just put Riker in his place and Riker's just like, well, I can't say that I'm not because I did just say I'm uncomfortable with you. Yeah. So you, do you like <laughs> do you like Data as much as you like Dorian? I you know I have a special place in my heart for for robot characters. Mm-hmm. I I love me some robots. They're always good. Yeah. Like I guess. Yeah, like I guess. My robot wife. Anyway, uh there's also another theme that I think is is interesting that carries through a lot of the sci-fi that we've seen. Oh, yeah. And that is... Um, what were you going to say? No, not that one. Oh, not I was going to talk about something else first. Okay, let's talk about the something else first. Yeah, which is uh, futuristic prosthetics for disabled people. Yeah, I think they're something that... Uh, it's visually interesting. It's something that's easily very relatable to people in the present. Um... Although they often don't hire actually disabled actors, 
because in yeah. the future prosthetics are so good. Um, yeah, I, I was gonna say that is kind of an issue because they don't they don't hire disabled people because the prosthetics are acting as the reverse to their disability usually. Mm-hmm. So, in the last one we watched, um, Kenix was missing a leg, but his robot leg was basically worked and looked like a normal leg. Yeah. Um, this one is a little more interesting because Jordy's visor is visually different. Right. Um, but it is another thing that's helping him out with his disability, which is blindness. It sure is interesting how every blind character can technically see better than seeing people. <laughs> I I can't remember Ghost in the Show, but I can guarantee it has something like that. Well, Ghost in the Show has the plot where they are talking about the guy that was dying and didn't have to be dying if, if he yeah. only who would have a robot body. Ghost in the Shell is more about a total prosthetic body. Yeah, not like one or two prosthetic pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it's interesting and hopeful that, I don't know, I I think it's a fun, maybe fun is a bad word, but I think it's a, a good concept to put into sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Just when people are taking into account all of the um, progress we're going to make, it's good to take into account different kinds of progress, like medical progress. Yeah, not just space flight and military, but what we can do for the individual, too. Yeah, so I always like that that kind of theme. So no complaints there. And Jordy is cool. Yeah, Jordy is cool. What did you think about what few scenes we did get of, like, Jordy in regards to his prosthetics? So they basically tell us right away that Jordy is blind, which I guess, like, the mystique could have waited. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I don't know. I don't think it was necessary to introduce immediately. I think they felt like they needed Either they were very proud of it, or they felt like they needed to explain what was up with his visor right away. Yeah, you think they didn't want people to assume that he was, like, part robot or something? Yeah, or to assume it was just a fashion statement. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. But then in the third episode, he... I I do think that actually this is interesting. Um, So everybody gets drunk, and by drunk I mean acting in literally the opposite way that they normally act. (laughs) Because... You know, for example, Lieutenant Yar is the head of security, and she's really, like, cool and buff. Um, and when she gets infected with this thing, she starts acting super girly, which is, like, this isn't, like, Yar being drunk. This is Yar acting completely opposite. Um, I think, and when, I think that's yes? the old, I think that's not exactly it, because nobody else really acts opposite, I think what they're trying to say there is that Yar has, like, a very a deep need for, like, love, but that, like, because of her past, she's not super ready to jump into that. Mm-hmm. Well, I was gonna say, since I thought that they were acting opposite, it's interesting that Jordy's opposite acting is... I wish I had real human eyes, basically. But um, probably what you're saying is true in that it's something that's just, like, deep down in there. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, Which is still uh, interesting as a plot point. Yeah. 
What I found most fascinating was just the very casual medical conversation he has with the doctor in the first, in the two-parter. About his visor? Yeah, just introducing it, where it's like, where, like just his tone of being like, blah, 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 yeah, 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 we're introducing my visor thing. I've had this conversation with doctors a thousand times before. <laughs> and then, I mean... And then, like, uh, them addressing the idea that he does feel like a low level of pain all the time because of it, but he's... He deals with that because he doesn't want to mess up his performance with surgery or drugs. Yeah, that was something that I actually forgot about, but also found super interesting was that Jordy's a badass. <laughs> so he like, no, they literally say he's like, you know, wearing the visor hurts. Like it hurts all the time. And she's like, well, I can give you painkillers. And he's like, yeah, but that's going to make me less good at my job. And she's like, well, we can, like, medically make you less sensitive to pain. And he's like, the same fucking thing. Mm. Doc. Doc. (laughs) (laughs) Exploratory (laughs) surgery. Right. And so he was just like, you know what? I'm just going to be in pain all the time. (laughs) Because I enjoy this. This is what I prefer to be. He's that dedicated, exemplary Starfleet. So um, it's kind of like disability on two levels because now he's got chronic pain from the prosthetic Hmm. but he doesn't really show it is a thing at least not in these first few episodes they talk about it in in the two-parter but they don't mention it really what i saw after yeah i mean i don't know i i assumed it was just a general low level of pain i mean that is i mean if you had a low level of pain all the time would that not be that would be really bad. Yeah. I may have undersold it there a bit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, we're not super qualified to talk about disability, but we're doing our best. Yeah. I, we, I just... Jordy, especially because he's played by LeVar Burton, is definitely someone I'm always happy to see in every scene he's in. Yeah. And I'm... I'm trying to think of another recurring member who is not white. Um, I know there is that picture of Whoopi Goldberg in the in the banner on Netflix, but I have not. She doesn't show up in the first few episodes, so I don't know how recurring she is. She's a recurring character, but she's not around at first. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. There. I mean, there are some people who I would have to say I don't know exactly what their race is. Okay, that's fair. But the majority of the cast, even then, is still white. Yeah. However, the, um... Well, let me make sure about that, actually. I was gonna say, I think it passes the Bechdel test. Um, which is the test where, to pass it, you have, your media thing has to have more than one female character... She has to talk to another female character, and the subject has to be not a man. Hmm. I do wonder about that, though. From the two episodes that we've seen, I'm not sure that it does pass. Yeah, I was gonna say, I I know they all talk about stuff that isn't love, but when Yar talks to... I think her name is Tori. Hmm? It starts with a T. The ESP, um... She talks about Oh, how, you mean like, Troy. Was, Troy. I just got the letters mixed up. Don't worry about it. Um, when she, when Yar talks to Troy, uh, 
I think it's just like, oh, I want to be girly and lovable or something like that. So I don't know if that counts. She was asking her for fashion advice, which is not much of a step up from man advice. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't want to give it a free pass because it's from the 80s, but they did their best. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I, I think the the cast, um, because it is still like pretty much like two to one outbalanced when it comes to men versus women yeah also on top of that you don't see like our three main female characters working together often they're usually on separate missions yeah usually the episodes concern one or the other in um the episode after the two-parter they're all involved because it's about the whole ship getting infected but everybody's on their own side thing. Yeah. Oh, funnily enough, though, in that episode, all of them throw themselves at a man is what happens to yeah, them. Yeah, kind of weird. Yeah. Um, there's also the engineering lady who literally acts just like normal the whole episode, which is nice. Yeah, it's nice to have <laughs> a constant female presence that isn't throwing themselves at anything for the whole and episode and when the main characters are it's so funny because i don't think she gets infected but i'm pretty sure picard just comes up assumes she's infected and shoots her with the like <laughs> antidote yeah yeah he does <laughs> i'm like i don't think she was infected she was normal the whole time i don't think picard was 100 percent lucid when he did that either <laughs> he just went around shooting everybody with the same needle like okay picard good job at least it's not a modern day needle. Maybe it's a science needle. Yeah, it's a space needle. I mean, it doesn't have the problems that. Anyway. A future needle, I mean. I don't know. A oh, space yeah. Needle. And I mentioned holodecks earlier, but when it first came up, you said that that was the first time it had ever shown up in Star Trek or really any sci fi TV series. At least in live action, I think. Yeah, at least in like on TV thing. I think. Not, like, written down. Yeah. Cause I think that's interesting. The holodeck's a pretty fun idea. I'm um, also, I didn't notice until you pointed it out uh, when we were watching the two-parter, but uh, about how the, the holodeck and the transporters together kind of make up slash explain the natural powers of the space jellyfish. Yeah, because they introduced the, the holodeck in the same two-parter as the space jellyfish who can create matter from their body. Mm-hmm. And Data is like, oh, the holodeck works pretty much like a transporter, but instead of like moving it from one place to another, it just copies it over. And that's basically what the jellyfish are doing. What would you do if you had a holodeck? Um, I'd go cool places? What, what else? I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> anyway, um, real... Uh, real quick, I just wanted to say that when we started the third episode, I was like, because it's called The Naked Truth? The Naked Now. The Naked Now. And I, and it started and I said, is this going to be another sex bot episode? And you were like, <laughs> you were like, no, wouldn't that be weird? <laughs> I was thinking and, um, about it, it. It technically wasn't. It technically but it also wasn't. was. Oh man. So, um 
So in, because in both Ghost in the Shell and Almost Human, they both had episodes centering around um, sex bots and their uses, basically. And in Mm. this episode, um, it was about an infection that made people, you know, act crazily and act like really drunk. Yeah, the Um, same infection. And in this episode, we learned that Data can fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. He's programmed... Um, he's, he's what fully functional yes fully sir fully yeah. uh, and so it did end up being a sex bot episode in a way there's one sex bot yes um, but yeah that episode was heavily based off of and references directly the fifth episode of the original series the naked time all right <laughs> the one where sulu <laughs> threatens the crew with a sword yeah, that was a good one. I like him running around threatening people. Ah, <laughs> uh, George Takei. But yeah, do you want to talk about the cast? The cast? Oh, um, there's one more thing I wanted to to mention, which is literally in, I want to say the first episode, McCoy shows up for two fucking seconds. Oh, yeah. He's 137 years old because remember the old the old Star Trek was 100 years ago and he was 37 mm-hmm. back then. And uh he's super old and he has a southern accent now. Well, things happen. <laughs> but it was just so weird cuz I was like, "Oh, is he going to have like a role in this episode?" Nope, he came by, said hello and fucking left. Well, that had to do with the fact that they didn't know I mean like it was just an idea they had to do this sort of like symbolic passing of the torch as like an extra thing as like a cameo they weren't thinking about actually integrating it into the episode um well it was weird and they weren't even sure that he was gonna go for it but he did i mean i don't think that the southern accent is too far out of his personality anyways he was always a mint julep kind of guy yeah it was just weird because now he has he's an old man an old southern man been living down in the bayou your accent can be as heavy as you want when you're over a hundred. <laughs> so the cast, uh, so we see Picard first, of course, because he's the captain, right? And Patrick Stewart is cool always, and then the second person we see is Data. Yeah, yeah, Data is super important. Yes, he makes the plot go. Data is good. Mm-hmm. He's always there when you need someone who can do anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then as we were watching um, the first episode, I saw Yar in the background, and I was like, she's cute. I bet she doesn't talk. And then she fucking talked, like, the next minute. (laughs) Yeah, she's one of our, like, three main character ladies. Yeah, I was like, well, I'm pleasantly surprised. Surprisingly, the character who did the least in these first episodes was Worf. Yeah, Worf is non-existent in these episodes, so yeah. I, I don't can't really pass judgment. Yeah, you got no opinion on him. Um, and Jordy and Data you like, and we already talked a lot about them. Right. Um, Riker, I think, is basically Captain Kirk. That's like Captain Kirk's stand-in. Because everyone similar. likes Kirk, you've got to have a Kirk-like character. Honestly, like, I cannot think... Like, I'm not a Star Trek expert, so I cannot dispute that at all. I I think it's an interesting idea. It's one that I think might totally be right. I mean, just the way he acts, at least in these first few episodes, is very, like, competent and, like, 
caring about his, you know, crewmates, which is like a very Kirk thing to do. Right. Because I know Kirk and Picard are kind of opposites. And, yeah. And Riker is supposed to be a foil to Picard. So I think you've got all of the evidence pointing in favor of that. Yeah. So um, I enjoy Riker. I wouldn't say he's the most interesting character, but he's definitely enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I I prefer Picard, though, as a character. Right. What do you think about Riker's love interest, Troy? Troy. Um, she isn't much. She has shown up a lot in the first few episodes, but she hasn't, like, done much personality-wise, other than, like, channel other people's feelings. I see. She's done a lot of of being an emotions reader and not a lot of being a person. Yeah, so, again, it's kind of hard to tell. She seems, I, she seems very, like, hippie type. Mm. Um, but I think that's the point. <laughs> and before we get to the captain, do you want to, what do you think of Yar so far? Because you were pleasantly surprised by the fact that she got to speak. Yeah, I like Yar. I, um, I enjoy that they have kind of a masculine female figure that she's, you know, the head of security. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's cool and fun. Yeah. What do you think of her backstory? I think her backstory is bad. Her backstory of like of growing up on on a really crappy planet and getting rescued by Starfleet and then joining up. I I mean the other stuff is bad, but yeah, I guess that's okay. Okay. All right. That's fair enough. So, I think Picard is really cool. Mhm. Because again, this is, you know, he's supposed to be a foil to Kirk as a captain because Kirk was very again, like very caring about everybody and really like gentle as a person. Mhm. And Picard is more captain like i would say he's very commanding yeah and you know they say in the very first episode he's like i'm terrible with children and anytime he interacts with wesley he he's basically yelling at wesley like please i can't deal with you right now he doesn't know how to not he like he's he's <laughs> he's not chef ramsay because <laughs> well well he, he doesn't know how to treat children but he expects excellent from his trained adults yeah, he he's a good captain. He knows what he's doing. It's just interesting to see like the kind of character that cares, mm-hmm. but has put his authority and his job over the like gentleness that that Kirk showed. I see. You know he he puts like safety, I think, over gentleness, which is important. Yeah, he's he's a bit more military than Kirk. He's a bit more cold. Agreed. Yeah. So do you have a rating for this show? I did have a rating planned for if we watched Code of Honor. Okay, but we didn't. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's better, but please watch more. Just these first three episodes are maybe not great. (laughs) But actually, episode two was better than I expected, and episode one was good as expected. Mm -hmm. So I actually need to think a bit harder about this. But do we want to talk about the Crushers, Doctor and Wesley? I mean, we already talked about Wesley. Mm-hmm. Wesley is the annoying kid. Um, Doctor Crusher is the third main female in the cast. Um, she's the ship's doctor, and she's pretty cool and level-headed. <laughs> what? 
Nothing. I was just thinking about all of those loving glances between Bones and Kirk. It's just like, no, the chef, the, the ship's doctor this time needs to be a lady so that they can be meaningful glances. <laughs> so that they can actually fuck. <laughs> no, you silly writers. If if the third episode is really that bad, I'm going to give the show a sour rating. I because see. the first two episodes are really enjoyable. And the third episode really being really bad would make it more of a 50-50 rather than a 100% this show sucks. It would put a really bad taste in your mouth. Yeah, but it would still be better than nothing. I don't have a controversial opinion here. I would implore that everybody stick with this show, even though it has its bad moments. <laughs> I I mean, I was hooked by it by the episodes that we watched. Probably if we watched Code of Honor, I would have a worse opinion. But for now, I really enjoyed it. So maybe just skip that one. Or, you know, go on somewhere that rates every episode and just skip all the really bad ones. God knows there are dozens and dozens of websites that go over like every episode of this show and dozens and dozens of episode guides for like what are the best and worst episodes of this show so it's there the resources are there it is not hard to make watching this show easier on yourself yeah definitely do that if you're interested and as sci-fi goes this is a pretty traditional sci-fi in my opinion and it's it's interesting. It's fun. Because it's the space deep future. Yeah. So this was TV dinner. Yum. This is the last episode of Sci-Fi September. So we're wrapping up this themed month. I think next month we're going to go... Uh, I don't have a name for it, but I guess Spooky October. Spooktober! Yeah, okay. We're going to go into Spooktober and do some more spooky shows. Not all of them might be like really spooky and serious because mm. of Sean's picks, but... I will pick spooky things and you can pick scary things. <laughs> but it'll it'll definitely be a fun time. And uh, definitely check us out on social media. We're on pretty much every platform at on either TBD Podcast or TBD Pod. And we will see you next week for... My pick for next week for Spooktober is Penny Dreadful. Penny Dreadful. Interesting. And we'll talk about that next week. All right. Bye. I can't believe this was almost Sexbot Timber.